Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Post Post Podcast where I talk to creative minds about inspiring professional journeys. I'm your host, David Gidali, and this is episode 29. And before I mention who this uh, episode is with, you probably know it because you've clicked on it. Uh, so I'll just say um, this episode is about uh, a problem that is dear to my heart. I think a lot of, a lot of us uh, creatives encounter this issue quite often. Uh, we are problem solvers, so uh, when we encounter uh, unsolved problems in our daily routine, uh, for instance, uh, an opportunity to, uh, to create some kind of platform to make our lives easier. Uh, we often think about starting it ourselves. Why not just, you know, take a break from uh, visual effects for a while, take a break from uh, animation for a while or from directing or whatever, whatever else we're doing and start launch like a product or a company that, that has a service or platform, online platform of sorts. Um, and, the case of a social platform or some kind of recruiting platform for visual effects artists is uh, is still open. So, or maybe it isn't because uh, my guest today has done just that. Her name is Caroline Pierce. Uh, she's a visual effects supervisor uh, turned business developer, CEO of a company called Nordeo.net, which is a um, platform for recruiting artists. And um, I guess the way she's, she will frame it is it's more of a collaboration platform between the independent filmmakers and, and visual effects uh, creators and uh, crew, visual effects artists, visual effects uh, producers, uh, compositors, modelers, uh, what have you. We need them all. Every now and then, when we're making some uh, independent uh, short, or or even if it's a even if it's a c commercial project, uh, her platform supports that as well. Um, and um, she did the um, remarkable thing of identifying some kind of a need, and not just uh, complaining that it doesn't exist, but actually going out and um, creating it from scratch. And as she will attest in this uh, episode, it was not easy. It didn't come uh, naturally to her. And there was a lot of things that she realized she had to become that she didn't even know that would, would be necessary. Um, but she also has uh, a lot of uh, encouraging and uh, great tips uh, for anyone who's, you know, who's brave enough to embark on such, a, such an undertaking. Um, so I think this episode is filled with uh, a lot of uh, very smart and uh, inspiring uh, uh, tidbits. And uh, as always, it's a kind of a conversation, so it doesn't necessarily have the most uh, coherent structure, uh, but it was fun talking to her no, uh, nevertheless. And um, just like the last uh, two episodes, I believe, this episode have, uh, actually exists also as a video. Uh, so, uh, if you want to watch us talk as, as opposed to listen to us talk, by all means, go to the postpostpodcast.com. It's going to be, uh, embedded in our episode, uh, page, uh, or on the post post podcast, YouTube, uh, page, YouTube channel, which is, uh, you know, just the post post podcast, look it up on YouTube and you'll find it. And that's it. So without further ado, I give you uh, episode 29 with Caroline Pierce of the Post Post Podcast.
guess real quickly, you started out, or I mean, I don't know how you started out. I know that before Nerdeo.net, you were uh, a working visual effects artist, right? Uh, and supervisor. Yeah, and um, so... I was a compositor, yeah. senior... I was a Nuke compositor, senior Nuke compositor for, for a while. Um, I, but I started really like uh, with Roto Prep many, many, many years ago at like Framestore and MPC. And then went into freelancing. I started with Shake. So that's how oh, old wow. I am. <laughs> and so this whole industry Shake. is pretty new. So I mean, yeah. <laughs> I went from Shake to, I did the last years of Shake um, at Framestore. And then uh, went on to learn Nuke at, uh, how far was the company? Um, yeah, we were, when I was working at, on, um, 24 hours which was mm -hmm. um god yeah danny boyle film and right. from the yeah from then on um i just started doing advertisements film commercials uh promos so just went to i went from the film world to doing like freelancing on pretty much everything and when um, you say freelancing you would still work in a in a studio environment or would you be yeah. So you would, would work on site and you'd come in and... Uh, uh, yeah, I was always on site, always on site. And then it was only later in my career, maybe like three years ago, that I started doing more on-set work. Okay. So I was doing studio work and I was always in the studios and like everything from like, you know, Pixamondo to like the smaller studios like Mainframe that do just mainly a lot of motion graphics work and advertisements. Um, and then... I spent a lot of time at Territory and Territory, like we were just talking about UI stuff oh, yeah. uh, and motion graphics. And they're like one of the best here in, in London. Um, and they've expanded their visual effects team. And I started doing some supervision for them, like a lot of lead comp supervision. But throughout that, my career, I started Nerdio as a side project. Right. So alongside this career progression, um, I had Nerdio, uh, and it started maybe six, seven years ago. I see. Um, yeah, and that's actually when I was at Framestore still. Um, I noticed that all these people had, all these amazing senior artists had side projects. Everybody had a passion project. Mm -hmm. And when I was a junior artist, I was like, oh, well, you know, these are really cool. I'd love to join them and maybe get to do what I don't get to do in my job and do more as a prep artist, so I wanted to do more compositing. I wanted to do visual effects provision. I wanted to do all of that. And so I was like, okay, these no budget projects or collaborations, I get to have a crack at that. And um, yeah, and so that's where the idea came from. It started off as a pretty hippie idea. It was more about having like connecting indie projects to recent graduates and students. That's how it all started. <laughs> That's a great idea. I mean, uh, and and uh, it's cool that the inspiration came from people around you at work. You know, I, I've uh, always had this feeling I, ever since I worked at a studio and then I decided to leave. I went to film school uh, and that was kind of my way out. I always thought that being in a studio will kind of prevent me from doing these kind of, you know, uh, passion projects. I mean, I know it. it's not, but it would... but part of the reason I never went back to, into working full-time at a studio after that is because I always wanted to have my freedom to do these other things, you know, and I do. Yeah. And I, and I, and I, and I'm thankful, f thankful for it. Um, 
but I know that I'm wrong in no in in <laughs> thinking that you know. Oh my God! You know, being working at a studio is going to rob me from you know my ability to work on on my own project. I think, in a way, maybe even it could even empower me because I think having a structure that kind of forces you to you know you go into work at a certain hour and then at the certain hour you're done and you go home kind of makes the rest of the time that you have even more structured. Even when it, whereas if you work. Uh, completely remotely and on your own schedule you can time kits you know can fly away much more easier it, it, it drives me crazy <laughs> working from home <laughs> I think it's really it's really good to be able to, to be in a studio with other people and learn from other people and I think that's the best thing about being in, in bigger studios yeah uh, just to be able to chat to people some people who know more than you some people who you Just look at their pipeline look at how things are getting done the quality of uh, you you only become a really good artist when you're surrounded by great quality work as well and right. that's so important especially that you see yeah there's also a feedback loop that you know you work you're working on something I remember when I was doing personal projects while working at a studio the notion that you know I'm sitting at at night and I'm writing this uh, you know script or drawing this storyboard or something and I'm gonna do You know tomorrow morning I'll show you know Dave this thing that I did and I'll get his feedback and you know like just the idea of like being able to have someone to to share it with right away and get their feedback right away and and impress them by how much you've gotten achieved you know overnight the next morning whereas when you're working at home you don't really get get to have that as much I mean unless you're opening a blog about your job and you have you know a bunch of followers which which I don't and you know, and sometimes you can't because you want to keep things uh, you know under wraps and stuff but uh, yeah right I mean it's 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 fun so when, yeah and, and when you weren't when you you're saying working from home is you know is challenging mm-hmm. did you switch to working from home when you you Uh, started near Dale like official like you said you started about six years ago or working on it uh, while yes uh, I mean it, it, it I always worked on nerdio from home nerdio was literally built over Skype in the mm. beginning so we started with that and now it's like zoom and slack <laughs> so we've progressed with the times but um yeah I used to work at the studios like full full-on you know um, I'd say contract work right because like you said you sort of you know full-time hours but for three months and for me that really worked out because I would you know especially when I was earning my senior rate as a freelancer I'd work for like three months or two months and then take two weeks off or three weeks yeah. off and then work on my own stuff and that would allow me to just you know work on my passion projects right um yeah and that's uh, I would usually work from home and then if it was like longer periods of time I'd hire out a creative you like co-working space so I wouldn't go crazy because apparently um yeah I just needed to talk to people every once in a while <laughs> yeah no I hear you I always look I also looked into doing that and uh, I mean before the pandemic is a bit more practical uh than now but here in LA you just go to a cafe and sit for four hours or five hours you can do it anywhere I mean I'm sure you, you're in London yeah I mean that's what I used to do then obviously then yeah <laughs> yes uh, now with the pandemic that's the worst thing that, yeah you know, like, i can't go to a cat coffee shop and just sit there for hours oh, on my laptop <laughs> yeah i know that's crazy i mean and um i guess uh, i'm very curious about the transition from 
you know, being a visual effects artist to being a, I guess maybe, is it a, you're like an entrepreneur and CEO of a company with, uh, that, that does software in a way, right? I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's a technology it's, company ha- in a way. I have to say it was, it wasn't an easy transition. Um, I guess it, it's a really different job role from being a creative and an artist, um, there are things that were really hard about transitioning because essentially I'm now a businesswoman and entrepreneur and I lead a team of not artists, but uh, tech development, UI, UX and design team and marketing. And it's just, just, it's so different. Um, And I have to say, I had to learn a lot and there are a lot of things that I did wrong in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, I learned from my mistakes and I realized that I needed help in this transition. And that's when, because I created something that people loved, but I didn't know how to grow it uh, yeah. properly. And the reason why people are hearing about Nerdio now is because I quit my job and I was like, Hey, I put myself through a tech accelerator program. Right. Um, so that I could get the mentorship and the help that I needed to turn this into what I knew it could be. Yeah. Um, and that was the best thing I could have done because that's when I got senior advisors and uh, people who had started other companies and mentorship in all these different divisions of uh, jobs, job roles that I hadn't ever really done before and hadn't been educated for in a certain way. I mean, there's only so much that I could do while also pursuing my career as a visual effects artist. So it's been in the past six months, I have to say, the, my personal growth and also uh, the company's growth because of this has been incredible. And right. I can't recommend enough, um, you know, people putting themselves through tech accelerator programs, but it's also quite hard. <laughs> so so we, what is that? I mean, if you were, if someone asked you, you know, I have this idea that I worked on and I've developed, I don't know, like uh, some kind of a, you know, uh, some sort of a prototype for for this uh, company or 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 tool that I'm working on. At what point does you know would you go to a tech accelerator and how much you know how do you kind of get the ma- the most out of it? Oh, I would say right at the beginning. Yeah. You know, there's tech, there's a tech accelerator programs that you can join with just a concept idea, hmm. and and then they help you build it from there. And I joined as an advanced founder basically because I'd already raised a bit of money and I already sort of grew it, grew my user base to a couple of thousand people by myself, but I wanted to know how to turn it more into a business and to a business that would help me um, not only build the tools that I wanted from, from my community, but sustain it and yeah. innovate. So um yeah, you'd have to, it's, you can join at any point, but I would suggest joining right at the beginning because then you can have the team that will help you grow and you'll make a lot less mistakes throughout the way. And I'm curious about how you, I mean, I'm sure you did leverage uh, things like contacts and obviously experience uh, from, you know, your previous career into like, for instance, are there things you would say, that would not have been possible if you wanted to build this tool if you didn't have the you know the career that you had leading up to it you know like uh yeah i guess one of the biggest 
advantage that I had was actually having a career in the industry and knowing that there was a gap in the market for this. Yeah. That's one of the biggest things. And that's something that also gives uh, investors a lot more, uh, it gives your project a lot more credibility for people to invest in. But in terms of context, yes, I, it was not so much about people posting projects that I had the context for, but it was for the artists because I knew so many artists in the industry. Right. Um, and then obviously I had to expand my contacts to a much more like senior and production level. And nowadays I'm speaking to a lot of HR people as well. It's, I it had to change my mindset a little bit from being more of an introvert and an artist and a techie person uh, that was interested in building and growing a community to being much more of a marketing person in the sense that I have to speak to everyone about the idea so that people get to know the yeah. project and get to use these great tools that we're building. And I'm very curious because you're talking about HR people. It's started out as a tool for passion projects to meet, uh, you know, people with passion projects, meeting other artists that, you know, would, would help them out and stuff. Were you thinking of some kind of a compensation model within this? Or is this something that you thought of more as a kind of philanthropic, you know, here's a way for you to, you know, connect with other artists who wants to help you or want to help you for like little to no money. And I'm curious if that's still the case or, or do you? So I guess, what, well, what we have, now we've really sort of separated it. So collaborations is more, um, if you go to our site, you have like the paid project section and the collaborations. And collaborations is all the, it's basically working on no budget. And yeah. it sort of works in a win-win situation for students and recent graduates that need portfolio material. And yeah. they get to work on some like, very um some good quality like collaboration projects in the visual effects and games industry but then the paid projects would no matter the budget then we keep a small percentage of it right. we connect people but we keep a percentage and now we're actually going to probably switch to a tiered subscription so to access because we've now partnered with um a production company in, and a collective in soho that has high-end clients um and so our paid project section is now called Nerdio Plus, and we have big companies and studios that are posting with us on a contract basis. And so, obviously, this has become sort of like a more exclusive club, and you pay to access those those projects. Got it. A bit like Manday.com and mm. um, and Creative Commission. So. Right. And I'm wondering if you your platform has, does has anything to do with managing the projects as well or is it just about recruiting and the management will kind of go and be handled by the clients mm, well we have different tiers basically so collaborations obviously that's our free side of even though it's what i really like <laughs> is the free side right. of our um, website and there, there is no middleman there. So people post project, they find their own artists, they join, you can see it's really open, you can see who's working on the project, you can see like their show reels and stuff and what they're building. We're, we want to build like a whip section as well, so work in progress. So we're working on a couple of different things for that. That's cool. Um, Slack integrations as well. That And then for paid projects in, in that section, 
then we have, so for the smaller indie budgets, we don't really like manage those. But for the Nerdio Plus projects, which, which are basically from our company clients, mm -hmm. then we do everything from um, sourcing the artist to managing and contracts. I guess I was asking, I'm very curious because I, I also had this sort of notion, well, because I'm, depending on the size of the project, sometimes I expand and I hire other people, right? And um, yeah. I have a small network of people that I worked with, you know, for more than 10 years that I trust, you know, I, can, I, I trust completely. Uh, and then I, I often hire new people and I kind of put them to the test. Sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. Um, and I always prefer them to work out, obviously, and, and uh, always I'm, I'm a bit... Uh, uh, stressed out when things don't work out because, uh, you know, times we're always working Time on money. pressure times money and, you know, you're wasting, uh, trying to keep, uh, things as, uh, as efficient as possible. So what I would consider like the greatest tool that I could hope for is really a place that, that I guess rates artists, you know, based on their abilities Absolutely. and, and uh, <laughs> and reliability and experience, you know? Um, and I wonder if that's also something that kind of uh, is built into the system. I mean, I, I assume... That's something that we were thinking about, actually. Yeah. And when we first we when we first started, like, we we're thinking, okay, maybe for the collaboration side, but now we've sort of gone another way mm -hmm. uh, with the paid projects. We, we what we, what we want to do is the artists are vetted by industry professionals. Okay. So, yeah. Um, well, the reason why we're working with Sheen uh, is that her company has a really high success rate at placing uh, senior artists um, into high-end companies. Mm. They seem to be coming back to her all the time, and it's because she's so good at vetting artists. So we... What we're doing is we're starting with London first and we're opening an office where we're vetting all vetting all the artists for, for high-end projects. Got it, yeah. Especially with big bigger companies. Bigger companies, when they post, they get hundreds of applications. And mm -hmm. They don't always see all of them. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, if, if we're pre-vetting them and putting, like, the best three or four forward, then that's saving them a lot of time. Oh, yeah. which is money as well. So that's what we're doing with the Nerdio Plus. We had thought of like a rating system, a bit like you have it like Upwork. Exactly. Um, in for, but the thing is, people in the creative industry, they're very crafty. <laughs> right. And uh, I've had this website for like six years. And I know that people will do a lot of things to circumvent any sort of payment. So when you open things up a lot like that, and this is you know, part of the tech and UX development and everything that went into Nerdio is people would find ways to go around the system, especially when you leave it all open and you can leave it all to search databases and see ratings and, and whatever not. Yeah. Um, unless um, we, we, would, we could find a way of really locking that down, which is hard. That's so do you, are you talking specifically difficult. about the idea of like peer, peer rating and the ability to kind of like influence that or, or figure out what, uh, what makes it work or, or are you talking it's, about something else? 
I'm, I'm talking about like having an open database where you can search mm. people oh, I see, yeah. according to ratings and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. And avoiding uh, the paywall. To exactly. Do that. Got it. And unfortunately, you know, cause we've been around for a while, we've tried a couple of different things and we see that uh, creatives don't really like paying for it for much. So they go around the system quite a lot of times. So now we've had to find ways of locking things down so that we can keep the business alive yeah and and build the tools that people want got it yeah that's interesting so i mean those are probably problems you didn't even think of when you when you first oh, no on, no on, way uh, on the project and like i'm curious have you had any kind of uh um programming experience or coding experience before you started uh, nerdeo.net from you know from uh, being a supervisor from working in on tools like nuke and stuff um i actually have a computer science background but i hate programming and oh. i could probably break like any computer just with like three lines of code <laughs> so i'm I, I stay away from that i'm more on i'm very hands-on on the ux and design side that's Got really what, what i like doing so and you mentioned i remember uh you mentioned working on ux and, and ui and motion graphics at some point, you know, as, as a senior artist, uh, but starting out in roto prep and things like that. So was yeah. that uh, an, in, an easy transition from, you know, working on the more, I guess, labor intensive, uh, seamless VFX type, uh, you know, tasks to doing more creative motion graphics design and and all that or no, I mean, it I takes you back i mean i know we were off subject but uh, i'm just curious yeah I, now it, i guess i i've been trained in uh, escape studios as a compositor that's that's what i did but obviously we had to do pay our dues back in the day we needed to go through road right. to prep that's the way it works here so whether i wanted to do it or not <laughs> yeah, i yeah. had to got it um so i was pretty what I really wanted to do was compositing. So I was pretty happy when I got the chance to do it. And so I'm curious because you also had the transition from working inside the studio to working on set. Uh, and working on set, I assume, as a, as a visual effects supervisor. Um, yeah. And on TV, film, commercials? Um, so or? I started off with small indie films. You had to start somewhere. And yeah. I loved it because, you know, it's less pressure and uh, you're working on indie budgets, but the people are always really nice and really hardworking and they're really passionate about the project. Right. Um, and so that's, that's where it started. And then I started doing commercials. Mainly. Okay. And that would be the more high, high paying uh, job. Yeah. Um, more high paying, more stress and longer hours. Oh my God. Like the really? last, yeah, the last job that I did in Poland, so I was working on a, a pharmaceutical commercial and there we'd start, we'd wake up at like 6 a.m. and finish at 11 p.m. And I'm like, are these people like unionized or something? Wow. <laughs> and, oh my God. But it was like they had, because it was mainly an American crew that they flew over, they only had them for like a couple of days and they're like, okay, we're going to shoot absolutely everything right. that we can <laughs> in these three days. And it was just like, yeah, they did not care about like any sort of normal hours. Yeah, rules. <laughs> you were there and for stuff. that job. That's it. I'm I'm from Israel, <laughs> so I know like there's no. I mean, union. You, you're gonna laugh at <laughs> face for it. Um, but uh, and and was that part of the reason? I mean, I always wanted to 
part of the reason I went to film school was because I wanted to get out of the, you know, get off the computer and be more physical, be more present, you know, uh, in, in nature. I don't know. I, I had this dream that being a filmmaker means, you know, running around, running in the fields with a big camera on your, in your hands, even though once I finally got into, uh, you know, professional uh, productions, I realized it's more hanging out at crafts services and eating snacks, you know. Um, eating really bad catering. Yeah, and gaining weight because I... It's funny because as, as a film student, I lost weight because I was like, you know, literally, you know, carrying, carrying equipment all over the place, you know, carrying grip equipment and camera and, and light and stuff like that. Uh, but as soon as I got into professional productions, I started, you know, gaining weight again because I was hanging out in craft service, no matter how much, <laughs> no matter that I was on my feet, you know, all day long. But, you know, the stuff you eat there is just horrible. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but now I'm back on the, on the box a lot, uh, try to kind of do more of the more, you know, more onset work, but eventually spending a lot, a lot of time in front of the computer as well, uh, especially now. It's a good and, balance. Uh, I mean, there are days there are days when you're on set, especially if you're shooting outside and it's winter, and you're like, "Oh my god, I wish I was in the office." Right? You know, like. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. I think. I think the key balance is like a key word uh, for everything. It's so important. I feel like a lot of the people that I speak to um, are always on some kind of transition between one one type of job to the to another and they're trying to because this sort of having more than one thing means you can really it balances you out you know like you you get to you get to be more dynamic in that way whereas when you're doing one thing and you're focusing all on it which is sometimes it's necessary you know when especially when you're trying to launch a company or you know have this sort of passion project that you really uh, want to get off the ground you really have to focus on that but you know in that case you have other things that balance you um, yeah absolutely and I mean one of the reasons why I started earlier in the in the beginning was also because it was because it was a tech company and I could work on it from anywhere um, we all worked on it we built this remotely and I knew that if because I'm an only child and uh, I've got like my parents are getting older and I was like I maybe I might have to go back to Portugal and because mm. that's where I'm originally from. And I was like, I need something that I can work on, you know, anywhere in the world. Right. And um, it's because back in the day when I first started, I saw that, especially before the pandemic, uh, my job was very studio related and mm -hmm. nearly all the studios were here in London. So I did look for something else that would allow me to, be else be in other places basically and is that some so opening or like working on nerdeo was in a way a way to do that or was that after you've already had you know kind of nerdeo as your project that you yeah it was about? it was one of the motivating factors to work really hard on it actually and but you know there are certain things that of Nerdia that do allow me to be in other places. But then, for example, when we're, uh, you know, fundraising and doing all that sort of stuff, a lot of it is done in London. So there are good, um, it, it hasn't turned out exactly how I thought it was going to be, yeah. but it has given me more freedom. I see. And are your parents, your parents are still in Portugal? Are they uh, spending some time with you over there in London or do you guys uh, 
travel over there no. when when you can, <laughs> when it's possible. Yeah, when I can. <laughs> when oh, I can. Yeah. I mean, I was just there and I had to like get an emergency flight back, so I didn't get quarantined with my toddler oh, so, wow. for 14 days. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that was just before the <laughs> lockdown started. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And my, my mom lives in Israel. That's where I'm from. And she, uh, yeah, I mentioned that before. And she, um, she only saw the kid when he, when he was just born. She came in, you know, when he was two days old and was here for two weeks. And, and she was, by now, she would have been here maybe twice at least, you know, once at least. But yeah. she didn't, she didn't come, wasn't able to, to come. And now we're like, you know, was, who knows when's the next time she's gonna physically be able to to be with him? You know, it might be. Yeah, that's so tough. Like having family around. abroad. Yeah, having family abroad, and that's one of the reasons because I hadn't seen my family in like six months, and, yeah. and I was just, I, I, you know, as soon as they opened up the airways, I knew it was probably gonna lock down again, right. they, and I'd probably have to get an emergency flight back. But I managed to spend like a week with them, oh, and good. it was just like I just said, like, you know what? forget about it. I'm just going to get a flight and go because yeah. there's no way that they're going to get on a flight and see me. So right. I braved it. And I have to say the, the trip back on a, on a very full flight with a, a big toddler on my lap oh, was no. horrendous. <laughs> but, Jeez. but it was worth it. Man. Yeah. And it was just you or you and your partner? No, uh, just your me. Wife. Just me. Um, yeah, I had to I had to do it alone because not everybody can just pick up and leave. That's right. one of the things that's good about having a business that I can run anywhere. Yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 I feel the same way. I remember we did our honeymoon and I had a project, a few small projects, uh, also a commercial that I was on set for and then had to do some visual effects. And I was able to remote control my desktop from you know a coffee a cafe in in paris uh and you know send out renders and stuff like that and i remember just feeling so you know like i live in the future you know i can just you know because my laptop is this like crappy macbook pro that doesn't you know can't really run anything on it but but my desktop is really powerful so i was able to send send renders from yeah, I've just made that transition. Well, actually, before I joined the before I joined the Tech Accelerator program, um, I was like, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to go for as a nerdio or if I'm going to do a lot of freelance work. So I bought myself like a like a four grand workstation, and oh. I was like, I'm going to be ready for remote work. And I barely taken it out of the box, <laughs> and I had to buy a really good laptop as well because now I just do everything from my laptop anyway. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I think it's good to have both, and, and you know, with with uh, remote con you know remote control, you can really get the benefit of both. I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where it's like every time I think about investing in hardware. I always like tell myself, you know, am I going backwards? You know, like the, I was trying to get off the box, you know, and be more, uh, you know, in the, in the creative roles, uh, you know, write, direct, and uh, do those things that I kind of, uh, this whole thing, I, I started this whole thing because that's where I wanted to end up. Now getting a stronger computer, that doesn't uh, bring me closer to my dream, you know, to, to my goal. It's, it's, it's on, on the contrary, you know, I was trying to leave this uh, industry. Well, not the industry, but leave, no. leave that, uh, that work. work uh, Tell me about it. I thought I'd be like making my own like indie films by now. Now I'm just, now I'm a tech entrepreneur. <laughs> so that's interesting. You actually, your, your goal was also to be 
you also had your passion projects that you were kind of trying to uh, get off the I ground. I think I just, you... yeah, just like doing too many things, you know. Right. I think it all started because when I, when I started joining these indie projects, I also had ideas to make my own indie projects. And I was like, oh, well, this is how I'd like to work, right. you know, and this is part of that went into Nerdio. And it's gone from like a visual effects career to Nerdio. And hopefully maybe, maybe when I'm 50, I'll go back to making movies, yeah. <laughs> my own movies, hopefully. How many times have you thought of that it's not the right direction and how do you keep yourself on track and like kind of how do you persist in 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 pursuing this specific uh uh project I mean it's something that you no one I'm sure no one is like standing behind you expecting you to deliver right because as an yeah. entrepreneur it's all on you if you don't do anything nobody will sit there and be like you know Where's my product? Where's my uh, results? Well, usually you would have, uh, it, you know, if you've had investment, you'd at least have a board of directors going like, where's, where's product? Like what's happening mm. with it? Yeah. What are you doing with it? But to tell you the truth, because we did a friends and family raise in the beginning, yeah. like nobody, literally nobody was behind me because they're like, yeah, you know, whatever. You know, yeah, whatever. take my money and so, do whatever you want. <laughs> and, uh, they're like, oh, is it working? I'm like, yeah, but you know, we need to do all this stuff. And it wasn't like I had nobody behind me, like motivating me. It had to be me. Yeah. And I have to say, if I was to do it again, I wouldn't do it with friends and family money because it's not smart money. It's mm -hmm. you're just getting especially if, if you don't have that much experience as an entrepreneur building like a tech company, it's, this is again, one of the reasons why you should go to a tech accelerator pro program is to get the mentorship and to get the team that can help you. And that has um, experience doing this, because if you just do a friends and family raise, they're like, yeah, well, we don't know how to help you. You know, like you're all on your own yeah. basically. So it was, Yeah, it was up to me. And I have to say, it was, I'm a very persistent person. <laughs> uh, and I think that that really, that's a trait of an entrepreneur, really. Yeah, for sure. Um, as I start growing bit by bit, whenever I got good responses from people and I got emails saying, oh, we love this. Like, uh, yeah, can you, can you add this? And, you know, it'd be great if you talk to these people and people started connecting me to other people just because they love what we were building. That, that really kept me going. That, that was one of the best things about it. And what part of the process of kind of bringing this off the ground was the most, I guess, alien to you? Or was there a moment where you were like, this is something that I am not good at and I really need to, I need this to happen on the best way. So I'm going to hire someone to help out in this, uh, in this specific department. Yeah. Or, yeah. So definitely I would say fundraising. <laughs> so <laughs> fundraising is like such was such an alien concept to me because mm. it's it's everything from pitch deck, pitching. Pitching to venture capital people is like posh begging, basically. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like it's basically, you know, you gather up, up there with their slides and you go, This is what we're building, this is why we're amazing, this is why we need your money. Yeah. But <laughs> Sounds but it's, horrible. It, it can be really uh, cutthroat, and yeah. uh, you need it. You need to have thick skin for this. So it was something that I really had to um, evolve into. Um, and how did you do that? Like, what, deal with it. what was sort of like a, a big kind of aha moment, or, or 
Or it was a crash software. course, really. <laughs> um, so it was really doing that tech accelerator program because I could mm. barely, I'm not a very good public speaker. And so like to have to, I, they made me practice and practice and practice and they ripped my pitch to shreds every time until I got better and better and better. And then I'm like, okay, you're ready now. And wow. Until I knew it by heart. <laughs> that sounds good. I mean, it sounds like a, a great experience, you know, to, to have to go through that. Yeah, um, it, was, it was good. It was really hard work and it, and it paid off. And right. It really paid off because we've grown. So we've grown by about t like twofold so, um, since, since then. And we are now expanding and we've closed so many commercial partnerships. And we've started generating revenues, which is means that we can actually sustain the company and we're... We're a much more attractive proposition now to, um, well, venture capital and investment. But yeah, we have a future. <laughs> Got it. And how many are you? Can you say maybe how many people are you, or what's your what's the structure At the moment, like for now? Yeah. So we have a seven k strong community uh, at the moment. And what, what do you mean as stru structure? Well, I guess. Uh, to people who are not familiar with like the tech world and you know what does it take to to have uh, to basically run a uh, a service like that or a website um, okay so to run a website like we have today I mean we're, we're pretty seed and we've got like a 7k strong community we've got um, um, monthly active users of about 4k depending on, on how much advertisement do we do it goes up to 6k yeah we've got we've had over 120 projects globally film and games projects globally passed by our, our platform that are active on our platform today um and we have users from over 55 different countries so that's pretty global and to run this yeah. we have a small where we've got a bootstrap team but a small development team of two main developers in bosnia at the moment yeah and our ux team and uh, we've got uh is based in turkey actually and it's part of our initial design was done by a studio in Portugal. Uh, but now, like, the design is here in the UK. Um, and that's two people as well. Mm -hmm. And our commercial partnership for, um, with Oblong Productions uh, for our paid project sections, which is Nerdio Plus, is all based here in the UK and in Soho, obviously, where yeah. the heart of post-production is. Um, let me see if I'm missing anybody out. And obviously we have our mentor uh, that joined us from uh, Founders Institute Accelerator Program, uh, Brian Prophet. He's also based here in the UK. So he's, uh, he's a mentor of your company, but also I'm sure others. Uh, yeah. And, uh, he's a, so out of the two companies, so the tech accelerator programs are with 54 companies, mm. 14 graduated oh. and we finished top five. Wow. And so only he only joined two companies, and it was mine and my friend Amit, uh, which is a gaming company called GameStake GG. Cool! Wow. So you, <laughs> yeah, you were vetted. You you went through a harsh, uh, uh, I'm sure, a harsh program. Yeah, uh, that was it. Was pretty hardcore. Um. Yeah. No, it's it's really inspiring, and I think I'm just trying to fathom you know the switch from from working at a studio from having a 
you know, from maybe working first under some other leads and at the end, you know, directly with creatives and stuff. It's such a different world than what you're doing now. So different. And I guess one of the things that I noticed the most was <laughs> obviously I've always been in, uh, I wouldn't say male dominated environment, but there's a, a lot of men like working oh, yeah, yeah. in the industry in compositing. There's like quite a few women in production as well, you know, and it, it was in, depending on the studios, it could be quite equal. Yeah. But oh, when I went into the tech accelerator program, Jesus, that was, that was very male dominated. Um, and uh, they weren't, I had somebody turn to me and say, oh, I'm not used to being around strong women. I was just like, <laughs> and the, you know, coming from the creative industry where everyone is so open to everything. Too. That is, that's a crazy thing. It, it was a really, like, it was a bit of a shock to the system. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's not like I was shouting about anything. I was just there <laughs> trying to build a company. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's horrible. I mean, I, I, yeah. I can't imagine there's so much, it's just a, uh, just uh annoying annoying that things are not different now yeah i mean it it just made me appreciate how inclusive uh and how sometimes you slightly utopic my career in the creative industry has been right how everyone is so much more open and you take that for granted and it's only after talking going into these you know, tech world and uh, dealing with people in finance oh, yeah. that you go like, yeah, yeah. wow, how things are so different in other industries. Yeah, but I think it's it's what makes it even more. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but that kind of that kind of reaction around me would probably. Well, I, I can't imagine exactly, you know, that specific situation, but in cases where there is sort of an oppressive surroundings which you know i felt in other ways and you know completely un unrelated it yeah. drives you to try to some i mean i i would consider some of it kind of you know i'm going to prove them wrong i'm going to make it change you know it's it's an opportunity to to also uh, achieve something that's bigger than just you know that specific project that you're working on you know uh as yeah a, that sort of attitude just drives me to work harder you yeah. know and to make sure that i succeed to to at least so that I, I I'm there for a reason, you know. Yeah. I'm doing this, and I want to succeed. <laughs> right. And so, what's your dream like for kind of moving on? Where would you want to see you and Nerdeo in like five years, or ten years, or even a year? Well, <laughs> um, I'd I'd love to close a big seed seed round um, so that we could build things faster. Obviously, mm -hmm. um, at the moment. I well in 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 the next five years, if we, what I would like to see is Nerdio turn into everything that we've envisioned in our timeline, which is to not only have a paid product sections, collaborations, and the talent, but to have the contest area with artists that we so we want to build a contest area with industry partners where people have can join. Um, one of our ideas basically is we have these amazing artist collectives that mm -hmm. we wanted to make the contest so much more different than you have in other sites. So if somebody is making a music promo, we'll have one shot, for example, that is done by a different artist and each, and then you sort of put everything together. 
Mm. And so we're, we're already working on that. And we've already got like a few bands that want to work with us in that way. And um, yeah, so we want to have that sort of contest area up and running. And then we're going to have an e-learning section and we want to build all our integrations. So we want free tools for collaborations um, that are going to get, and obviously we'll have premium tools as well for the paid project section. That's going to already be launched in October, part of it. But for um, some of the integrations like Slack and Google Drive, um, we'd like some 3D previewing for, for some of the collaboration projects, but also a work in progress section. And we're even thinking of rewards. So yeah. that's something that, yeah, uh, a reward section. But we want to stay quiet about that one because there might be a little bit of intellectual property there. <laughs> Oh, I see. I'm, I'm wondering, so when you're talking about collaboration tools, are you talking about things like, you know, I mean, I, I know of tools like Shotgun and, and F-Track. Am, am, I, am I thinking yeah. of the same type of uh, sort of... Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially if this, you know, if the paid, uh, if our Nerdia Plus section really picks up, mm-hmm. our next step is to talk to, you know, Autodesk and the people behind F-Track and see if we can build integrations. Because imagine how good it would be to just make your own, like get your team, get them vetted by industry professionals. And then once you accept them into the project, you can immediately have them, you know, join into Shotgun or F-Track. Yeah. Onto your, so, yeah, onto your project there. So that's def- definitely something that we've got in the pipeline. And you mentioned 3D previewing. Do you mean... 3D as in a 3D software, 3D project previewing or? HTML5, HTML5. So for example, oh, gotcha, like you, yeah. Have, yeah. you can upload a, uh, a model with the shader and kind of watch it. Uh, yeah, and uh, especially for the gaming, like the indie gaming yeah. side, like if you just want to um, upload a character and that sort of stuff, or even link an account from, um, uh, I forgot the name now of the application but a lot of the gaming uh community use this website for 3d previewing and models sketchfab or uh sketchfab yes right that's Uh, it yeah no not all of my listeners will know what we're talking about it's basically you know (laughs) the ability to to watch to to see and spin around a 3d model just like you would watch a a a video or or image on facebook or or i don't know am i like am i too old for is, is Facebook <laughs> yes. on TikTok? I don't know, whatever people are using that. Sketchfab and possibly, you know, also have some sound stuff. So we have a lot of music composers oh, uh, really? okay. and sound designers. So, you know, have integrate with like Sketchfab, 3D, like any sort of 3D previewing, but also sound. So like SoundCloud, uh, especially would probably be the best way to, to integrate that. And uh, what about uh, secrecy and things like, uh, you know... Uh, NDAs. NDAs uh, for, for yeah. projects. Is that also something that you guys are... That's been requested. At the moment, we're, especially on, on the paid project side, It's that's also something that we've been looking into. But at the moment, it's a pretty manual process. We're right. probably... That will probably come next year Got in it. terms of NDAs. And it's the thing with NDAs is... It's quite a lot of work because it's NDAs are different in different countries and it needs to be per, it, it needs to be per project, I would say, in project location. So it's, it's, it takes some time to uh, implement that. 
Got it. Well, I can't help but thinking you got you. You're kind of uh, uh, stepping into my territory with this tool a little bit. Like you're, um, <laughs> I'm gonna be out of a out of a job soon because <laughs> a lot of what I do is you know vet artists, connect them with clients, supervise their work and stuff. But if the client has all those tools and direct access to those actor to those artists, then you know I'm I'm gonna be out of a job. So, well, why don't you come and work for us on <laughs> a revenue share? <laughs> so how would I go about doing that? Like, for, seriously, for, for a producer, like a visual effects producer, is there a, uh, I guess they can use your tool to make their work easier, right? That's Absolutely. one way to, uh, to... Well, we're looking into, you know, working with recruiters and production. Let's say with, whether you want to, you know, use our tools for a specific project and obviously you do it for a fee. But if you want to maybe post with us and help us grow, then maybe we can work out something that could be a revenue share deal. That, right. And then and then that could be a win-win situation for both. What does it mean to post with you? Like to... So for example, if you're going to uh, like post projects with us, mm-hmm. basically, and you want to help us, you know, work on the tools and, and beta test and, you know, mm. make it possibly make it better Then yeah, then maybe we can work something out. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Right. <laughs> it's very worth, worth looking at. I'm, I'm very into like trying out new tools and seeing what, uh, what works. Um, what I guess, yeah, I mean, I, I still feel like there's this, I guess the, the, I like to ask about specific moments and, you know, take you to a specific moment in time, for instance, that moment where you, you were still, you know, the, I guess the, 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 the day you sat down and started and wrote down the word Nerdeo on your, on your uh, word processor. Um, like, I, I'm kind of curious to, to, to listen to, to that story, to like where, at what point did you decide to commit to this project? And did you have other projects you were thinking about at the time that you kind of put aside? Um, or was it more of a, this thing you were carrying around for a long time, even if it was? And I'm just kind of curious about what, what led you to finally decide to uh, put your money where your mouth is. Well, I think it was a very loose... It all started when I when I worked on a project um, outside, which was sorry, my memory is failing me completely. But it's uh, so we did a fan film for Lord of the Rings, okay. um, led by Chris Bouchard. Let me find it here quickly. Right. Hunt for the Hunt for Gollum. The Hunt for Gollum. Right, so okay, I'll check it out. The Hunt for Gollum was the first like side project that I did at Framestore, and there was nothing like FTrack didn't even exist, and mm. everything was done over a forum. And he was pulling favors everywhere. His budget was like three thousand oh. pounds, um, and um, yeah, half of Framestore worked on it. And he managed. He's such a convincing guy. But I was wow. like, the way that they worked on it. Uh, the way that I, they worked on it, like, was just like forums. Everything was so disorganized, mm-hmm. and and I was just like, there needs to be a better way. And then as I started 
working on that and seeing that there are a lot more other projects. As I started meeting him, I was like, then they're like, oh, there's this guy's doing this horror film and blah, 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 and blah, blah. And that's when I was like, okay, there's, I should build something for this where people can just connect and submit something that's not a forum, you know, right. that, it'll yeah. be easier and that maybe people could not only post a project. So my first idea when I first visualized it was a bit like Kickstarter. People would upload a video, talk about their project and people would, instead of crowdfund it, crowdsource it. So like yeah. people would just get people to, to apply for it. And I was like, and then they should be able to manage it as well. So I thought, you know, a little, like really simple project management system behind it. And that's when I had the idea. And when I first had the idea, I called it Nerds United because it was like a little club. Mm-hmm. And um, and I just sort of like talked about it to my family and they're like, oh, she think it's going to cost a bill? They're like, I don't know, maybe a couple of grand. <laughs> and now we're like 130K in. <laughs> wow, yeah. It's... But uh, um, yeah, that's that's how it started. I sort of left the idea until my best friend from university, Lena Vesterinen, she's the co-founder, the original co-founder of Nerdio. She is a businesswoman. Um, oh. she, I talked to her about the idea and I was just like a junior artist. And I talked about her, talked about the idea with her and she was just like, well, let's raise some funds and get it done. And I was like, all right, then do this with me then because this is i need somebody like you by my side right um and that's when it all kicked off so (laughs) so that was did you say six years ago or six years ago is when i'd say it was like eight years ago is when we first had the conversation okay and you were a junior artist back then yeah okay so you had a quick pretty fast uh growth on both ends i guess because it takes a long time I was, to get to I was I probably wasn't a, I'd probably be like mid-level Got I'd it. say okay. like making the jump from junior to mid-level then yeah, but yeah and and as you were kind of progressing in the in the um in the visual effects world were you were you ever like thinking well if I get offered to do this I might have to get you know sacrifice uh, my work on Nerdeo or vice versa if Nerdeo takes off I'm gonna have to uh you know take a break from visual effects was it ever a concern or like the a um yeah it was a concern I, I there was a time when uh i didn't know if i was if i was doing the right thing because i really loved working in film and i could see that doing going into building this this project was a lot more hard work than i ever imagined and that it was a completely different career path However, um, sorry, I think my toddler just arrived. <laughs> but, but it's, um, yeah, I just saw, I said, you know what? Like, I put so much work into this and I want to see it grow and I want to see it succeed. And as I started, even though I didn't have the courage to immediately do that, like, because I really love what I was doing, it came to a point when I became a visual effects supervisor where I said, I think I'm going to get, it was my personal opinion, I'll get more out of life uh, by going to and continuing with Nerdio than um, continuing as a visual effects supervisor. Even though I love what I was doing, I just found I, I wanted more time. I had a family and I was like, I can either, you know, start earning over 
a very decent amount of money as a supervisor and freelancer but my tra- I'm going to have to do a lot more traveling um, I'm going to be working ridiculous hours and yeah just that's one of the factors that went into me choosing Nerdio well. oh interesting okay yeah and was uh, starting a family a decision a completely unrelated decision I'm sure it's, it's I mean from like but was there any concern when you were Uh, embarking on that on that adventure uh, yeah to, as, as far as like how would that affect I mean because yeah I mean yeah. everybody makes their you know puts their priorities where they where they choose to but it's uh... it, it was the fact I mean you know what like I, I had I had my my daughter and then six months six months later I was back at work because I mm-hmm. said okay I need to do three months of hardcore visual effects work so I can Have enough money behind me to do this tech accelerator program yeah and so I put myself like my first week back was on set wow. <laughs> and then and then I was like oh my god this is grueling and, and then I went you know I, I went back to, to the studios I did the black height and uh, MPC and uh, territory during those months and everybody was working you seven eight o'clock that meant that I would come home and I would like not be able to see my daughter awake yeah so I thought even though you know I wanted to be that sort of career person I just started really missing the f- missing seeing my daughter grow up yeah really and I didn't I didn't want to be that absent parent yeah <laughs> yeah no I understand that uh, but it's I mean you I'm also thinking about like Nordeo as, as this sort of project that, that belongs to you. It's almost like uh, your child as well in a way. It is my little baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there is like you know there's that too. you know it's like going back to doing visual effects. yes, you're working on, on really interesting projects you're, you're interfacing you're more outside. you travel sometimes traveling is good too, you know like I mean yeah. Uh, Especially when after this Absolutely. pandemic you want to you know get out of the house a little bit um, <laughs> yeah, I no, guess, absolutely I mean yeah. from from the beginning and it, to have to it, it's my company of course mm-hmm. everybody wants to end up working for their own on their own projects right it, it is my own project and it's a great feeling to see it like evolve and succeed and I When we started you know when we get great feedback and when we see that people like using these tools and it's they see the innovation that we're making um, and what we're trying to do for the community then yeah that's all worth it really and I'm curious about like the first very first projects that were on our day and I know kind of like jumping back and forth from like talking about technical stuff and and what this you know the platform is Uh, enables to like your personal journey and in and out I don't know maybe someone who's listening will make sense of all of this and kind of be able to piece <laughs> the things together better than me uh, because I'm not gonna edit this I'm already saying it oh no uh, <laughs> it's just, please edit this <laughs> it takes too long no I think people love to <laughs> I mean I I love listening to, to raw conversations but um, I don't want to take too okay. much of your time I'll just uh, I guess want to Uh, let me so one of the projects that came up immediately like you know w- what was really surprising about when we first launched the platform is that the projects just popped up from nowhere 
Like, hmm. they, there was barely any marketing. We didn't have any marketing money. And so it was just like me on Facebook and Instagram, just, you know, posting on a couple of groups and stuff. And um, we started getting products from Berlin, Melbourne, Australia, one of our biggest projects, which was Trollbridge. Trollbridge was super popular. They had loads of people on there. And um, yeah, just people working from all over the world on this Australian project, which was based on the Discworld series by Terry Pratchett. Yeah. And they managed to and, and they managed to finish the film. So they had completely depleted their their small budget and they had great ambitions and the quality of the project was amazing um so they they turned to us and within a couple of months they managed to finish the project and now they've had like 22 awards oh wow so yeah that was really cool um that was one of the first projects that that came through us and Arthur Merlin, one of the projects that I was actually supervising. That's how I tested out the idea for Nerdio. And we had like 34 artists working all over the world on that one as well. And that's yeah, like I was Amazon curious. Netflix. Really? Well, I, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's something I was cur- Can you tell me a little bit about that? How did it come to be? And, and what do you mean? How was supervising people using your own uh, platform? I mean, I know you probably well, the, the first platform time. wasn't wasn't ready then like we we started as a facebook group Mm. okay (laughs) and so yeah yeah so it started started through there like just getting the artists and it was all done like over google drive and i'm like okay so that's when we started talking to those artists as well and said okay how are we going to do this and how are we going to build it and yeah that's that's how it started but then like trollbridge was already on the platform and uh, Mission Back of Earth, which is an award-winning web series that's on the platform as well. And they've received a bunch of awards like WebFest, LA WebFest, Melbourne WebFest, yeah, for the Dick Festival, yeah, lots of, um, yeah, projects and awards right from the beginning, really. Wow. And you didn't, you, you, do you know how these, uh, um, these creators, found out about you and what made them choose? It was a bit word of word of mouth. Um, I, ha- I did a little bit of LinkedIn hacking in the beginning when you, when you could. Yeah. And so I, I sort of, you know, spammed all my contacts when I, when I first uh, built the platform right. and said, look, this is what we're building. And from then uh, and built a mailing list from my LinkedIn contacts. Hmm. And then that sort of spread. Um, and we try to post every project that we have on facebook and instagram and And did doing that came naturally to you or was it i mean i i I would probably be embarrassed (laughs) (laughs) well i'm I'm, as a podcast host and and as someone who has done some personal projects i know what it's like to be like well i'm gonna really send this email to all those people and (laughs) (laughs) to tell you the truth like because it it was more of a it wasn't like a personal project like a short film Mm -hmm. Where I think I'd be a bit more embarrassed of a short film, like asking people to 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 do that. But because it was a platform for indie and to get people on it, and to that would hopefully help them, and that's what I yeah. always believed it would do. I, I had a bit less remorse in doing that. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah, I just finished writing a, a little script for After Effects uh, that I just it it was doing out of frustration because a project required me to kind of constantly open new. F- files and save and and import and export and i was like constantly uh browsing through folders 
the same folders all you know all over over and over and over again i had a pretty you know structured uh project uh structure you know in my drive and I'm like why why do i have to do that why doesn't doesn't after effects know that i'm working on this project so my export is going to always go to this folder my import is going to always come from this folder and so i basically built this like little you know silly tool that kind of knows the project that i'm on and and allows me to just you know access my shots very quickly because it's like these drop down menus based on the uh uh sequence and shot uh you know lists and stuff and now i'm doing what you're talking about you know like sending it out as you know to have people test it out and play around with it for for their own projects so yeah it's it's a lot easier like you're saying it's like you know here's a tool i found yeah. good use to it maybe you'll find good use to it too and you know if you don't want it don't you know don't bother but uh exactly but it's with here. tools it's a lot easier definitely yeah when it's a short film you're like eh. yeah <laughs> it's a bit it's a bit uh, this is my art what do you think about it <laughs> exactly yeah like i have this idea Can, are you gonna give me a month of your time for or uh, uh some money <laughs> or some money yeah <laughs> oh yeah no yeah I've, I've been there they make you do that in film school when you do the your thesis you know uh fun you know crap fundraise for you i mean it's horrible it's horrible yeah uh i don't like that i mean i um but yeah i mean it sounds like it sounds like you really kind of dove into this alien field and uh and uh and for what it's worth it seems like it's working like you've you you're getting your sea legs but but still you know like getting getting progress made i mean it's seeing projects make you know co come from from coming out of your platform successfully winning awards must be very fulfilling i mean i can't yeah, imagine that's it's like uh that's my favorite thing and to 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 see like projects that were struggling suddenly get made and get distributed that's yeah, i love that and to see and to speak to the students or recent graduates that worked on it and say Look, that really helped me. That material that I have now on my show got me a job in this place. Yeah, wow. that's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it's it's act, listening to you talk about those projects, describing your platform, really makes me want to do like this to do to kind of start my next passion project. Because uh, <laughs> my my last one, I mean, I spent twenty five grand of my own money on it, and you know, like that was before I had a wife and a kid, you know, and so that's like, yeah, I don't know when's the next time I'm gonna be able to like say, well, I'm gonna put this money <laughs> aside for for this for this like passion project. So the idea of, of being able to do something like that, I'm I'm also kind of curious and you mentioned gaming uh as a as a platform like uh, something that this platform is capable of doing um yeah. do you uh i mean i'm sure you're keeping up with the, with the trends technology you, you know about unreal engine and you know the new version that oh, comes yeah. out and all that all those cool new tools is um is part of what you're doing in your platform kind of like to to sort of try to keep up to date and and build tools for absolutely we even applied for the epic mega grant oh really <laughs> yeah yeah and um, we've been speaking to epic actually they they really their educational side yeah they really like what we're doing so escape studios is our industry partner and mm -hmm. they love like they're working on on some of our collaboration projects because their their students needed some more material to work on yeah um And especially after Disney like got tighter NDAs, a lot of these educational institutions have trouble getting portfolio material. Like, um, so 
a platform like ours is perfect. We're yeah. even, you know, thinking of um, building some tools together, uh, linking some of these indie projects straight to educational institutions. Wow, so, that's great. yeah, because and, and that's something that we're we're working like I'm speaking to Escape Studios now about it, and it's just yeah, Epic was like Escape Studios looked at it and then they're like speak to epic epic was like yeah i love your collaboration side um and now let's you know you should talk to our corporate side to see what we're doing with nerdio plus um so they've they're passing on our contact to the to them at the moment but unfortunately there's no way of uh getting a, a quick epic mega grant <laughs> oh, man. i mean you think with you know they're 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 on top of this whole real time thing. Can't they get a mega plan in real time? <laughs> it's just a, uh, but yeah, what they're doing with the whole like they're so changing the way that visual effects is is working. All these like virtual studios. And, oh yeah, now uh, it's. I think <clears throat> yeah, they're building. I think fifty eight around the world at the moment. Virtual wow. studios. Wow. Yeah. Talking about those light. What what did uh, ILM call that? Light. Um, Lightcraft, Lightcraft stage, light stage. It's light stagecraft, stage. stagecraft, stagecraft, stagecraft. Yeah, that's it. I found it's one, one <laughs> stagecraft. Yeah, no, it's it's uh it's fascinating. I I played around with uh with uh, virtual studios back in 2017 using the Vive. You know when it came came out, or you know maybe a year after it came after the first uh, dev kit came out, just to kind of play around with camera tracking and real-time compositing with uh, stuff like that. So Stagecraft is really that taken to the next level with like uh, uh, with some incredible LCD backgrounds or LED backgrounds or whatever that is. Um, I mean, it's amazing. That with NCAM and just being able to have the, the exact lighting on set, yeah. it's just genius. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's also kind of I think technologically riskier than doing green screen because, like, in terms of the tech, the green screen tech is so prim, you know, primal, primal, and primitive. <laughs> primitive. It's like, put it, put a green screen in the back. What can go wrong? You know, like you're gonna have a, yeah. a, a fly. You know, maybe doing. You know, <laughs> but with this thing, it's like there's so much that can break. Uh, that uh, it's, I mean, there is so much that could break, but it's also a completely di different way of working. It's like post-production is now turned into pre-production, isn't right. it? Because you need to build oh, yeah. everything beforehand. Yeah. And I love that. I mean, I think more filmmakers should, should, uh, should get back into that mindset of like, you know, you make up your decisions before you start shooting. That's how films used to be made. That's how it's treated, yeah. you know? Uh, Otherwise, you know, and I'm sure filmmakers are still like, wait, what is that? Well, what do you mean I can't change it in post, even though I did it, you know, like, and then you end up going back and, and rotoing the heck out of your shot. <laughs> oh, please. please. That sounds like an absolute nightmare. I'm so glad I'm not supervising anymore. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's so exciting. And I, 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 that's kind of every time I do a passion project, I try to uh challenge myself both on a creative level but also on a technical level like my my latest passion project that came out a year ago but started even you know about two years ago was using machine learning and you know f face swap that's the, the, oh, no the way. Short film so that always like I, always, I was always curious to test it out and then that face swap app like happened it's just yeah. like I mean, I, I was like, I, when we, yeah. we spent the tools from uh, Keen Tools for Nuke were like really 
widely started becoming really widely used for face replacements. And then I was mm-hmm. like, but if they've done this with AI for Superman, like this must be so much easier. Yeah, exactly. So much more time can there. Yeah. Yeah. Time saving. I mean, it's getting there. Technology is still, you know, the resolutions are still uh, currently um, a limitation. But I mean, it's it's a matter of of months. I think uh, it's just what resolutions are they working on now? So it depends. I think the 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 kind of open source version that came out a few years ago that people are still working on, I think, is kind of uh, is around uh, 512 pixels by 512 pixels is the most that I've okay. seen. Um, I used 258 by 258. That was kind of like the uh, the size that they allowed to do that. It's okay for you know long shots and uh, and for what I needed, I I kind of wanted the technology to sort of peer pierce through and i didn't want it to be seamless uh that was the well it was kind of like a combination of like i knew that was what i I was going to get so i'm going to write a a story around it you know to kind of incorporate that uh uh you know um visible artifacts nature of it Mm -hmm. um so I don't know if it's if it can be used for something like the Irishman or you know some 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 similar things yet, um, but I I believe I've seen some some tests from coming from the Disney uh, development you know uh, lab uh, of of really successful high quality versions of that you know kind of basing on similar technology but going through a bunch of like upraising filters and all kinds of you know uh, machine learning sorcery that they. Uh, uh, that they managed to cook there. I mean, from from exper- from playing around with it for this short that I did, what I found out was it it's it's really just it's so much different than your traditional CG tools. It's kind of like it's sort of a black box where you you feed it information and you what comes out is sort of like a synthesized sort of result that you can't really control much. In, yeah. Um, you can control it by in like broad strokes it's kind of like sending a toddler in one direction and hoping that it hits you know a certain <laughs> point but then you know he might choose to go in a different direction during the you know and after you do it a, a few times you're like one of those things will work and and worst case i can always fall back on some you know good old-fashioned compositing and combine takes and stuff like that uh yeah. okay. so at the moment it's very orga- it's very uh yeah it, it's very kind of uh, weirdly inaccessible yeah. or weirdly um yeah precarious in a certain way yeah mm-hmm. uh but it's it's amazing in what it does and how fast it does it you know like the the i was able to when i went into it because i've done other shorts where i used you know technology you know new technologies and i would challenge myself and you know with like 3d and tracking and all those things and it's always like okay i'm gonna embark on this journey and it's gonna take me a while and it's gonna be a step-by-step thing you know i'm gonna start with you know something that's going to be very raw and 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 uh and i'm going to slowly get you know get in uh carve it into something that i can work with but with machine learning it was like okay i'm going to start i'm going to do my first test and i did my first test i took a video of uh of an interview with uh, with uh what's her name with with one actress and i took a, an, another actress's face and i wanted to put it on and i was like i hit i went through all the motions and hit convert and it came out and there it was and it was like okay now what like it's done the 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 face looked perfectly you know real for that video um 
and it was like really that that was it it was like it took you know i mean training took a few hours or days or something like that but once the training was done and i hit convert that took a few seconds for the whole play because it's so quick and uh and it came out and i'm like okay i guess that's that's it that that was the r&d and here and, and now i can go uh you know uh, that's amazing that i mean once they once they finesse these tools that's yeah. going to completely change uh, yeah no yeah. completely uh and it's very exciting to see what where they're coming i, I mean i i I'm just after talking to you, the next thing I'm going to do is go on nerdio.com or nerdio.net, right? <laughs> yeah, nerdio.net. And, uh, and check it out and play around with it, uh, see what I can do. I mean, I, I, uh, I definitely need something like this very often when, whenever, you know, a project comes by that needs more, uh, you know, more hands-on and that happens pretty often that, you know. Yeah, I mean... Um, Definitely, you know, use this for your passion projects and try it out for some of the paid projects if if you want to. And um, I'd, we'd love to hear your opinion about our tools and maybe become our beta tester. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I'd love that. I think one of the I, I spoke to, there's another uh, company. I don't know if you've heard of them. Uh, Nothing Real Studios. Have you heard of that uh, studio? Uh, no. There's a company called Nothing Real, and they are trying to launch something which is kind of like a virtual studio, which it's not for fa- passion projects, and it's it's more. Uh, and I think they fancy the idea of like kind of the fact that they have this sort of AI based project manager or a project budgeting tool, pipeline creation tool. Um, Interesting. Do you do you see anything in front of you? Or? No. Nothing's real. Only comes up with a pop song. To... Oh, really? Hold on, I'll bring this. Uh, um, I will. Uh, but anyway, this is a. Uh, this is another. Uh, nothing real VFX. Yeah, it's uh, nothing-real.com, and you'll see right away, uh, it's called Seneferu Artificial Intelligence Production Solution. It's very, it's very uh, long, long. Nothing-real? Uh, yeah, nothing, nothing comma real, no, not comma, nothing-real.com. Yeah, okay, that's not, No. Maybe it's not dash. Hold on, I'll, I'm sending you in the chat. Perfect. There we go. Does it come up? Oh wow, this looks complex. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's uh, it looks complex. You know, in in your spare time, but basically, um, from what I understood, um. This is a project, ma- like an AI-based project management uh, solution and stuff. But I think they also are kind of uh, um, working on the idea is to cr- to give you tools to basically do a virtual, you know, production, sort of like you know. Uh, yeah. And yeah, looks cool though. I think I definitely have a look at read into this. What I what I was uh, what I was curious or what I found to be like the main bottleneck. Or not the bottleneck. The, the the obstacle is 
you know, getting some kind of guarantee. Like I said, you know, one of the main main obstacles or challenges is to find people you can trust and to know that you know you you're sending out tasks and you need them by a certain time and you know how do you uh what kind of guarantee do you get that those things are going to happen and you're not going to you know end up you know uh empty-handed in front of your client and that's that's where the you know professional vetting kind of i guess comes into yeah into place i mean it that is it's yeah. a million dollar sort of uh, question challenge. obviously yeah. yeah and challenge obviously working with people who have a good track record is really the only the only option right here right. <laughs> and in i guess in a studio environment you probably know it better or have a better more recent experience with that when you have multiple artists working underneath you you always kind of you always have a backup in case case someone fails and some some test doesn't work out you can always like take someone else from a less urgent job and be like okay you gotta fix this guy's uh yeah. uh mistakes now and you can do it and you have to do it by friday and you know this they're sitting there and you you can yeah. take them away from from what they're doing I, and i mean having there's i can't say how many times i've picked up comps and done yeah, them myself yourself, right <laughs> yeah but um obviously what we're trying to do here and what happens a lot is in a lot of productions you have the main problem is that productions expand mid project all yeah. the time like the 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 job is always more complex than than it originally started and this is where they come to us a lot of the time. And so they need somebody fast mm. and they need somebody that's good and that's going to pick up the slack immediately and just get it done. Yeah. And that's what our artists do. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. So I, I'll definitely, I'm like, okay, I got, now, now that I have your number, your Zoom, uh, I'll just uh, plan a podcast every month and a half or so with you and like, <laughs> try to get try to get that for free no just kidding because we're talking about how we're all creatives and we're trying to we, we know how to get around the paywall um no just kidding i'm like <laughs> um, but yeah I mean, yeah it was know. it was a pleasure talking to you i i think um usually when i when i when i end episodes the last thing i ask is there's two things one is like uh and a piece of advice that you would give yourself your past self or that you want to give to others who are um who are st trying to start what you've already kind of done which is you know they have this passion project and they are you know sitting in a studio and they can't bring themselves to get off their desks and uh and actually started like that could be something a piece of advice for them or some kind of piece of advice that you found very valuable uh that you wish you'd have earlier on or something my piece of advice is if you have if you think you have a good idea market research it first before you quit your day job and mm. do it and that's one of the things that i learned is always you know test and test on other people before you make your decisions a lot of creatives just go like oh i have this brilliant idea and they just go ahead with it and then nobody actually wants to see it or, or, yeah. or they're the only ones that like it so make sure that your idea is validated mm -hmm. before you go into out into the world and and you've made your decision you know? so that's 
that's my pick, my piece of advice. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people would would uh, benefit from that. Um, <laughs> and then I guess uh, last one is like where where can people find you? I guess I mean nerdio.net would make a lot of sense. Um, Absolutely, I actually have a profile on nerdio.net. I, I, oh. I do jobs on there every once in a while. <laughs> well, I did <laughs> back in the beginning. Um, well, it's a great way but, to learn. You know, learn uh, get to know your own tool. Uh, or they can message me directly on caroline at, nar- at nerdio.net. Callan at nerdio.net. That's your email. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much. I'll let you go back to your uh, lovely family. Uh, and, uh, I'll go back to mine. My little one is probably going to wake up in a few minutes. Uh, uh, David, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Thank and, you. Um, thank you. Yeah. I hope, uh, but let's say hopefully next time when we speak, uh, there's be, there'll be a lot more news. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully, uh, we won't be trapped in our houses and, and, yeah. and we'll be able to maybe do it from a cafe. Uh, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So then. And that was it. Episode 29 of the post post podcast with Caroline Pierce. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening or viewing. And uh, as always, if you like it, don't forget to share and spread the word. Um, And that's it. Keep inspired. Until next time. Bye.